the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Inflation is the enemy. For years and years and years, you've heard me say something along the lines of, I'm not afraid of Jason. I'm not afraid of Freddy Krueger. But inflation is the boogeyman. And I don't want to say I was right, but I think you now see where I'm coming from. Um, woo I was right. You're saying don't be a jerk. But I'm actually kind of interested if anyone wants to drop me an email and you know who you are, the people who regularly email, tell me how inflation has hit you. I'll talk to my producer in between segments and see where he says, because for me, I could see it in my grocery bills. I could see it in my vacation bills. Uh, that's where inflation has hit me the hardest. My mortgage, it's not so much. You know why my mortgage not so much? Because my mortgage is fixed. It's a 30-year rate. So that's one of the reasons we love mortgages when they're cheap. And one of the saddest things about higher interest rates recently is that the cheap money is gone for the long term. In the last 10 years, heck, let's say in the last 15 years, I've probably got three or four mortgages. And they've all been in that 2.5% to 3.5% range. And I still have them. And they haven't adjusted for inflation, even though the cost of money has been adjusting. So anything that I've paid off in my equity has lost to inflation, seven plus percent this year, right? So if I have a home that's got a million dollars of equity, it's just lost 7% of purchasing power. That hurts. Because when you think about it, when you have, you add up all your assets, your homes, your real estate, your stocks, your bonds, you want to beat inflation. And anything that's paid off or cash in the bank doesn't beat inflation. And when the rampant years are big, it gets crushed. But the opposite's true for those of you who have 30 year mortgages. You're borrowing 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800,000 at, if you did it last year, somewhere between two and a half and three and a half percent. If you do it this year, it's going to be five and a half percent. Historically, still a damn good number. But not as good as it was a year ago. Listen to this crazy statistic. Nearly 40% of investors who pulled money out of the markets in the last year regret it. You know, we have a bear market or we have a correction in the Dow, a correction that's really close to a bear market in the S&P 500, a bear market in the NASDAQ. Bear market's just down 20% from its recent highs. But you know how that's all happening right now? It's not the end of the world, is it? Also, there's kind of a little bit of a rotating thing that goes on where the hyper growth stocks are, they hit bear markets months ago. They're down 40 to 50% from their highs. The growth stocks are just now down 20 to 25%. The income stocks, really not so much because they're considered more conservative. But nearly 40% of investors who pulled money out of the markets in the last year regret it. 38% of investors said they sold stocks last year due to a current event. 
of that group, 40% said they wish they'd kept their money invested. Survey found that younger investors were more likely to panic sell. Nearly 70% of Generation Z investors pulled money from the market, along with 57% of millennials. So younger people are more likely to pull the trigger. One of the things that I really like about my producer is he's rock solid. He is non-emotional and he's a millennial, kind of zillennial. He's, he's younger, right? I kind of like to see, and when I see a statistic that 70% of Generation Z pulled money from the market, 57% of millennials, and then I see not all of them. That makes me feel a little bit better. Time is the ultimate weapon. It is the ultimate weapon when it comes to investing. It gives you younger investors a huge advantage over the elderly counterparts. I would be lying to myself if I have forever, but when I had, was 20 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old, it felt like forever left to invest. Now that I'm in my 50s, I'm like, maybe five more years of cash flow going towards investing, maybe seven. And then I'll probably start reining back my cash flow going into the market. And I'll start managing my cash flow coming out of the market. That's not quite the right way that I want to say that because it's really set in stone when I say that. And it's not quite right, but it's, it's in the ballpark. Unfortunately, from what I see is when Generation Z or millennials pull money out of the markets, they have the risk of squandering. A family friend of mine, he and his wife had marital problems last year. And before that, they sold a house, took money out of the housing market, if you will. And she had a midlife crisis. She's very conservative living in California. She gets made fun of for being religious and for being anti-vax. <clears throat> she went on a shopping spree. She's like, screw you guys. I just sold a house. I'm going to get my, she didn't get her you know, <clears throat> body augmented, but she spent a lot of money. A one-time splurge, if you will. And after a lifetime of savings, because she feels disenfranchised, <clears throat> which is what a great word. Do you remember disenfranchisementarianism? <laughs> it's the longest word I can come up with in high school that I can spell and I can define. I know you're saying, say that again. No. Listen to it on the podcast. You can listen to the podcast at Apple or Google uh, stores. Podcast is free at Spotify and iTunes. Rob Black Show. We'll get you there. Be careful though. There's another Rob Black who's a porn producer or a former porn producer. So if you submit him a question, he may ask for your measurements. If you submit me a question, I may ask for some, you know, what do you own and what do you owe? So different events spook investors. Inflation spooks 63% of Americans. Coronavirus, 51% wanted out of the market. Economic policy, are we spending too much? Joe Biden and Donald Trump, 25%. Conflict in Russia, Ukraine, only about 20% get spooked out. I thought that number would have been higher, but it's not. Elections, 10%. Company earnings reports, earnings season, the most important one for me, only 3% of people care about. You don't want to regret pulling money out and you don't want to splurge when you do pull money out of assets. I have not had any significant sells. And the ones that I had were automatically, not automatically, close to automatically uh, reinvested. Keep in mind, I sold a house last year and instead of splurging, 
I've been slowly putting that money to work. <clears throat> My financial advisor said, let's put it together. Let's put it to work over 18 months. I said, how about 12? So I sold it lost. I sold the home last August. It closed in September. So by September, I'll have all that money put back to work. Am I happy a correction came along? Sure. Um, is it frustrating at the same time? Yeah. I get people's reticence when it comes to the way they view the market and events. And ultimately, the millennials and the zillennials, they just have to go through this a couple times to see that, yes, inflation's bad. Yes, I need to beat it and expose my, my assets to more risk with growth stocks like Apple and Google and Microsoft or growth stocks like mid-cap growth or growth stocks like small cap Russell 2000 type stocks. If you want to beat inflation. Now, anyone who's not invested in the last year, anyone who's not invested is losing to inflation and they're truly getting crippled financially speaking by what's happening with inflation. I am interested in how inflation is affecting you. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. When a company like a Walmart gets hit with inflation on energy prices, on food prices, and they have to pass it on to you and they have a problem doing it, they, they have an earnings mess. Now, what's amazing about Wall Street is how consistent earnings have been through the last 100 years. Corporations are able to, through the years, get better and better and better at managing earnings. But yes, you're going to see some quarters that are awful. Companies like Apple won't have access to enough semiconductors. Companies like Ford won't have access to enough manufacturing time coming out of China to make semiconductors. China's turning out to be a real pain in the butt with their no zero COVID policy because their vaccinations aren't as good as the United States. We all now know, and this is a really weird thing to say, two, three, or four people in our lives that have had COVID two or three or four times you're like, what are you doing to get it so much and not get sick? Uh, a friend of mine just had COVID for the second time. First time he was in the hospital for five days. Second time he was in the, he was never a hospital. <clears throat> just kind of wrote it out as a tough cold. Um, China's turning into a problem because they're not getting high enough immunity levels, it appears, to like get back to work with oh, a really nasty flu versus COVID where a million Americans have died. A million Americans have died of COVID. So it is a real thing. Otherwise, we wouldn't say that. Oh, it's not a real thing. It was just old people who had conditions. No. Um, I saw a 35-year-old man on a ventilator. Not an old person disease only. A veteran fund manager <clears throat> talked a little bit about how a company like Walmart coming in and missing estimates is really a good thing because a lot like inflation, we see gasoline prices up 10% year over year. So next year, if they go up 10%, we're screwed. Or if they go up 5%, we'll go, hey, that's half of what it did last year. That's good. Or if they go up to zero, we're like, hey, no inflation this year. 
and they go down one to 2%, we're like, woohoo, we got more money in our pockets. Same thing with earnings. If Walmart was supposed to hit a buck 20 and they hit a buck, um, next year, if they hit a buck 20 because things are more normalized, you're like, woohoo, 20% growth. But that's a year from now. And inflation's insidious because it does play out very, very slowly. Uh, home prices can't keep going up 10% a year. It can't. Rent prices are going up too much, too fast. The rent prices are inflationary, again, because when you sign a lease, you tend to sign it for a year. So any lease that's been done in the last, I want to say over six months ago, Versus last six months, last six months have been a little bit more challenging as we ended the COVID moratoriums on foreclosures. People have started turning their homes into rentals. People are doing things like that. Um, and rental costs are just too high. So it'll take about a year, but then we'll have lower comps, which is also one of the more interesting things. Like um, if someone moves into my neighborhood and they paid 10% over listing or 20% over listing, I immediately welcome them to the neighborhood. <laughs> like I'm the first guy at their door with like a bouquet of flowers and cookies. Welcome to the neighborhood neighbor. You paid 20% over asking for this house. So you just created a comp that my home will be compared with in years to come. I know it's an odd thing that I do, but I do appreciate that neighbor. Thank you. Elon Musk says a Twitter deal cannot move forward until bot claims are approved. Um, there's less than a 50% chance this deal gets done. Let's watch from a distance because Musk is trying to, it looks like he's trying to squirrel away from the um, price tag because basically the day he said, I'm going to spend $44 billion to take over the company, the market went into a tailspin and he'd be able to offer 33 billion maybe. And that's a sizable amount. If he walks away from the deal, he loses a billion dollars of a retainer. But, but, and see his stock in Tesla has fallen apart. So he's really kind of in a bind if he wants to be the world's richest man, if he doesn't want to come across as, whoops, he overstepped and lost a billion dollars because that is kind of an insult. It's like, uh, you know, someone who was going to get married. If the bride-to-be said, let's put down a billion-dollar retainer that, that this wedding goes through, that you don't cheat on me before the wedding. And you cheat on her and she catches you and you have to lose that billion dollars. That's just not good. This is a marriage that it looks like Twitter's going to get paid to leave. But we'll see. Um, Dan Ives is one of my favorite analysts. I want you to have favorite analysts, but not go too crazy with it. I want you to have favorite economists. I want you to have radio show hosts who call me down. Hopefully all these people have some sort of track record with you. One of the ones that I really like is Dan Ives. In large part, I think he does a really good job of picking stocks. Like right now, he just came out with a list of 22 stocks to make a diversified portfolio of future winners and emerge from the massive overcorrection that is slamming tech right now. And I love lists. I think they're a great starting point for just a little bit of research, not all of it, but a little bit. And basically what he's saying, a disciplined investment philosophy and only a disciplined investment philosophy 
these are some ideas for you. And you start with A is for Apple. Year to date, it's down 17.4%. The NASDAQ's down 25%. Does it have more to go on the downside? It certainly could. Um, probably another 10%. And then we're going to say that's it. Corrections tend to happen 20 to 40% for hyper growth, 10 to 20% for growth. And we tend to give quality names, like maybe that they'll like underperform, they'll outperform the underperformance. So Apple's an obvious one to, to if you have cash, you should consider because he likes it as a long-time winner. Same thing with Microsoft. Tesla's now at $772. He likes Tesla, Amazon, Alphabet. The one that I have trouble getting behind, although if you take a look at the chart, this is the most tempting one that I've seen from charts. Oracle. Um, they look like they've been way oversold. And yet it's only down 19%. Adobe, a company that I've always wanted to own, and you've heard me on this show for, through the years say I've always wanted Adobe. They made my list because Dan Ives put it on his list. Um, then you get into some other names that are a little bit like, I don't really know that one as well as I should, like Tenable or Fortinet or Zscaler or Checkpoint. Checkpoint Software was a big, big, big network security company 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Where did they, where have they, why have they been off my radar for 20 years? And so cybersecurity is still around. So I like lists like this, not to say, oh, he said it, so I'm going to go buy it. But like, if I don't know who Nice Systems is or Verit, V-R-N-T, I'd like to go to find out. I'd like to go, go take a, a little bit of a look. So don't be afraid to use lists. Don't be afraid to educate yourself. I guess that's what the segment's all about is educating yourself so you're not fearful or panicky. Educate yourself so that you're comfortable. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. A lot of companies have paused their operations in Russia. That's a tough one to figure out. I own shares of McDonald's. It's not a glorious investment. It's nothing that I'm proud of. They've probably, and this is where I get close to slander, so I need to be careful. It probably killed more people than cigarettes. <laughs> Diabetes and being overweight, you get the idea where I'm going at. You're picking up what I'm putting down. But there's some things you just, you'll never see coming. Um, yesterday, I talked very poetically and longingly about McDonald's opening up in Russia um, back when I was a child and seeing the stories on the news. And that was an opportunity. Now that opportunity is closing. Um, it just means they're going to have to be, you know, the company that McDonald's spun off that I'm still surprised by that to this day, I go, why did they do that? Or why didn't I get more money for that? Or why didn't they figure out a way to make that work better? Or how did they figure out that they own Chipotle? They founded that company. That was theirs. They incubated it is probably the right way of saying it. And I find that interesting. So join with me now as McDonald's is leaving Moscow and seeing with me, old McDonald's sold a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Multinational food and restaurant brands such as Starbucks, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, KFC, they've all paused operations in Russia, not just McDonald's. Now, McDonald's CEO in a frank letter to franchisees, 
He said, it's impossible to ignore the humanitarian crisis caused by the war in Ukraine. He said, we need to remove our logos, our brands, our menu from all Russian restaurants, sell the remaining operations to a local buyer and keep its trademark in the country to protect against infringement. <laughs> what he's saying there is he doesn't want a Russian opening up McRonald's or McPutin's. <laughs> Yum, let's go eat at McPutin's. Uh, McDonald's owns 84% of its Russian stores and restaurants in Russia and Ukraine accounted for 9% of its annual revenue last year. That's crazy. That's how important Russia became. So is McDonald's going to have a hiccup on it? Uh Uh-huh. They expect to record a $1.2 billion to $1.4 billion hiccup to exit Russia. Nowhere in my mind five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, did I say, I bet McDonald's going to have to shut down business in Russia. Nope. I bring that up in large part because sometimes you beat yourself up for what you didn't know. And you just have to be honest. You can't know everything in this world. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's um, pretty interesting. I saw a, an insurance story go out yesterday that insurance companies now starting to put a rating of between zero to 200 on your home for wildfire risk. And the number of homes being included in wildfire risks are going up. I have a vacation home in the mountains that on the other side of the mountain, there was significant fire damage last year. And all through Northern California, there's been significant wildfires in the last five years told my spouse i said is there anything you wanted because we're having to do defensible space so i had to cut down a couple trees had to clear out uh, all the pine needles that have kind of turned to carpet i don't know if you know what i'm talking about when pine needles kind of mash together and turn to carpet all that stuff all of it had to come out so i've spent a good four to five thousand in the spring just creating more defensible space i don't mind um but it is a cost that was kind of unforeseen on some levels but I told my spouse, I said, um, this is a high risk. We are going to lose this home at some point in time. And if there's anything in here that you want, any pictures, anything like that, back them up now and get them to the freaking fracking cloud. So we're not the couple in 10 years ago. Yeah, we had baby pictures, but they all burned down. And it's interesting because notice I didn't say anything else that I want to save or keep. I have a hard drive that I'd grab if the house was on fire my cell phone, maybe a charger, and I'm out. That's all about all I need. Everything else in the world for me is replaceable. But nearly 80 million U.S. residential and commercial properties face some risk of wildfire over the next 30 years. 80 million homes. 8.8 trillion property value is at risk, representing roughly one in five single-family homes. One in five homes could go down due to fire. Yesterday, driving on 101 to pick up my kid after school, a um, little highway fire, just tiny. And uh, it stopped traffic for a good hour and a half in one direction. And it may have been you know, 30 yards. It wasn't big. It was contained pretty quickly. But it shuts down economies because traffic stopped for an hour. Um, but more importantly, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. That was within five miles of my home. And I don't consider where I'm living now to be wildfire risky, even though it is. 
my reality is that I'm projecting it on a home in the mountains that has more trees than the home in Marin. It's weird, like how we do that. But my son was like, um, you know, well, I'm glad they got there fast. I'm like, yeah, me too. And he says, like, is there risk? Like, I was like, sure, there could be risk. There's a lot of wind where we live, and it could have kicked up a coal and could have hit our home and it would burn it down. And the next thing you know, we're homeless. And I didn't want to scare the kid too much, but just know you can now go and punch your zip code in and hope that your home abides in a climate change Goldilocks area. It's a company called First Street Foundation, and it published its first marks on um, <clears throat> wildfire risk. So doing this on air with you, you can go to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash riskfactor.com. And that is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash riskfactor.com. So when I punch in my home, um, the risk is good. It's one, it's considered minimal risk. That's for floods. Oh boy. <laughs> but it has a, it has no risk on flood, but the property has a low, but non-zero risk from wildfires over the next 30 years. Um, and yet that's the area that kind of freaked me out yesterday, right? Now let's take a look at my mountain home when I punched in. Um, remember I had a one on flooding and a two on fire. And oddly enough, my risk, my risk in the mountain home is more of a four to five. And the, the number's changing to the higher. So that makes about sense, right? Um, the fire factor is a risk that we all need to slightly get ahead of. Um, I've had family members lose homes. And I, I think it's pretty, pretty fair to say what's important to you. And what's interesting about this insurance page, and again, it's riskfactor.com, is it tells you like the expected length of flame in front of your homes will be two feet or less. Three feet to eight feet is more of a problem. Anything over nine feet, <laughs> basically run. Because that's the stuff that whips and goes, turns into a fire tornado. Anyhow, um, riskfactor.com. I think it's, um, it should give you a little idea of how naive you are or not. Former Fed chairman Ben Bernanke isn't worried about a housing crash. This was kind of interesting. Bernanke came out yesterday and he kind of criticized the current Federal Reserve saying, oh yeah, I once was in charge of the Federal Reserve and I did a pretty good job in the financial crisis. Now in 2006, 2007, 2008, He's saying that the government put too much stimulus out there and that the current Fed waited too long to fight inflation. Now they're behind. It's always tough to do because that's like Monday morning quarterback. And I don't like that when a former president insults a current president. It's kind of an unwritten rule and maybe unwritten rules like in baseball, they should be broken. Maybe they should in politics as well. But economically speaking, it's pretty easy to be a critic. 
Americans are fearing a bubble, like the one that burst a little over a decade ago when cheap debt incentives among mortgage lenders and intricate financial hearing led a lot of borrowers to take it on mortgages they couldn't afford. It was a big problem back in 2008 that our government really wanted everyone in America to own a home because equity was a great way. Home equity was a great way of creating wealth. And suddenly the government didn't have to focus on getting you higher income because your income was covering your mortgage and your mortgage was turning into higher equity. But we gave too many people loans that didn't deserve it. And when I say it by deserve it, credit scores, which is an archaic system to begin with. But if you have a bad track record to pay back debt, I would think seriously before lending you a million dollars. So ultimately Bernanke is saying, you know, back in 2006, 2008, the crisis was magnified by bad product, weak and low standards. And today we've got great product. It's not being repackaged. And you have to qualify for a mortgage. It's a little bit tougher, a little bit smarter. So he's not predicting a collapse like we had 2006, 2007, and 2008. But he is out there saying, um, you know, we have to watch the cycle. He's being a little bit of a watchdog. But he is saying, just so you know, the housing market is in a much stronger position compared to a decade ago. More rigorous lending standards. The household debt to income ratio is at four decade low and household equity is near a three decade high. Wise man. I like to hear from him. Ben Bernanke, former treasury secretary, uh, head of the Federal Reserve, excuse me. You find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. There's a congressional committee going on right now that's investigating unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP. Yep, we're looking into UFOs again. (laughs) Don't we have this COVID thing going on in the Ukraine war and Congress is looking into UFOs? Yep. That's your government working for you. The truth is out there. So there's something called greedflation that I want to talk about for just a second. U.S. current inflation debate. Inflation's the boogeyman. I've already talked about this. But Jeff Bezos is going at it with the White House right now. And the White House is saying, yeah, corporations need to pay their fair taxes. And uh, they're 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 contributing to high inflation (laughs) and he's like wait wait what did you guys just spend trillions of dollars to get us out of this pandemic and you wanted to spend trillions more um i think it's you guys who are causing the inflation it's an interesting debate to see do do, do we want to call him a rockefeller kind of industrialist do we want to call him that fighting with the white house through tweets uh, price gouging is out there. You want to hear price gouging. We don't really, price gouging is bad, right? There's Senator Elizabeth Warren and other Democratic senators and unveiled the Price Gouging Prevention Act of 2022. Taking a look at companies that hike prices exorbitantly to disclose why. Biden thinks that price gouging is contributing to inflation. As part of his plan is to fight inflation by getting people to pay their fair share. Um, it's interesting because Bezos went on the attack and Bezos went on to say, you know, Hey, unions are fine. We're fine with talking about unions. We're fine with talking about inflation, but let's keep them the two apart. I 
kind of agree a little bit more with Bezos that let's not wrap everything into a convenient one narrative fits all. But I don't know. I'm definitely not qualified on this one. The top stories of the day. Um, this is a story-driven market. We're just wrapping up earnings season. And I guess we have to say that Walmart's a top story, but we'll get there in just a second. Retail spending increased nine-tenths of a percent in April, boosted by demand and inflation. We're growing into the inflation spending. Retail sales in April showed that consumers weathering the inflationary headwinds, rising for a fourth consecutive month. Uh, gains were powered by a 4% gain in miscellaneous retail. Bars and restaurants showed a solid 2% increase. Increases came despite a 2.7 decrease at gasoline stations and energy prices. That's good. Prices overall increased three-tenths of a percent, but demand was there. Wall Street's divided on what comes next. Heavy hitters like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are both forecasting more downside ahead. For the third time this year, Goldman Sachs lowered their SP500 price target to 4,300. They see sluggish growth and high interest rates, which have pushed beyond the bank what was expected from them. JP Morgan's quant guru is on the opposite fence, and he's sticking to the bullish forecast he's pushed all year. He thinks that we've gone too far down and that a rebound is coming quickly. Arc Restaurants, Home Depot, and Walmart all reporting numbers. Walmart was disappointing. Home Depot was fine. Elon Musk says a Twitter deal cannot move forward until bot claims are approved. He tweeted that the $44 billion takeover of the company would not go ahead unless Twitter can prove that bots make up fewer than 5% of its users. It comes after Wedbush suggested that Musk was using a dog-eat-homework excuse to back out of the deal. I don't think his, time, his timing was hideous because the stock market really started NASDAQ correct at that time. And that's bled over into some of his Tesla shares and Tesla investors are saying, wait, wait, how focused is this guy? So some people are bailing beer. So he's losing a lot more than just the bid on Twitter. Um, there's, there's rumors that he's going to have to sell some of his shares in SpaceX because he's kind of cash poor, equity rich. Rising oil prices are just a sliver of what's to come. Climate policies won't curb supply or demand. A top energy analyst said the top three things investors need to understand in the face of an upcoming unprecedented energy crisis is that supply is limited, demand is going up, and climate policies aren't going to work. Big short investor Michael Burry revealed his bet against Apple. Burry's company held bearish put options against 206,000 Apple shares as of March 31. He's been right. Very interesting. Big shortage of diesel fuel. Supply of low sulfur diesel is dwindling and struggling to keep up with booming demand. In the flyover part of our country, known as the Central Atlantic, inventories have crashed 78% from 2020, their lowest level in a decade. That's not good news, to say the least. Um, but I think you kind of know that. Let's move on and talk about some of the other issues that we see out there. The stock market had a strong showing on Friday last week. Yesterday, not so much. Very little follow-through. Uh, 
I would say it wasn't hideous. Today we're getting the follow through. That's lovely. Stronger than expected and better than expected guidance from Home Depot. An increased unit revenue outlook from United Airlines that was attributed to contributing improvement in the demand environment. So United Airlines, big airline. We're traveling. What do we do when we travel? We spend money. Hotels, cabs, Ubers, restaurants, leisure, entertainment. I have to travel in two weeks for business. And uh, it ain't cheap. And it's money going from my hand to someone else's economic activity. So we got pretty good retail sales for the month of April that were stronger than they appear. When taking into account the large upward revisions from March. Shanghai has made progress on stopping the spread of COVID, which is stoking expectations for pickup and growth demand. When the supply chain does even out, we should have some smaller bumps to get over but it is taking a lot longer than people thought. Walmart down 6% today after coming up shy in their earnings expectations and lowering their outlook. Ultimately, they said supply chain costs are higher. Operating expenses are higher. Customers seem okay, but there's some changes in behavior due to inflation. I think it's fair for us to say real quick that Walmart customers are not earning 150000 a year. Typically speaking, they're not earning $100,000 a year. They're typically more the average American earning $50,000 a year. They blame consumer behavior on high gas prices. Talking with someone earlier this morning, he said, yeah, it's filling up my gas tank once a week. Gas prices in the United States are, are hitting a record 448. They're over $6 now in California. Crude futures are above $115 a barrel. That's 72% up year over year. Until some of this abates, we're going to have a very inflamed and irritated stock market that doesn't really like the headline news. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. Have a question, find me at robblackshow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.